0: Let's go.
1: I'm Danielle Yett, and you're listening to Critical Faith. This podcast is coming to you from the Center for Philosophy, Religion, and Social Ethics at the Institute for Christian Studies. ICS is a graduate school of philosophy here in Toronto. We're gathering friends and members of our ICS community here on this podcast to talk about all things faith, scholarship, and society, and the many ways those things interact. We hope Critical Faith gives you a bit of a glimpse into the everyday life of ICS.
2: We spent the past semester talking about the themes of evil, resistance and judgment, inviting a number of guests to join us and reflect on those themes in their work and lives. I'm Theron Tolsma, an ICS junior member, and today we invited ICS President Ron Kuypers and CPRSE Associate Director Hector Acero back into the studio to look back on some of our favorite critical faith moments from the past semester.
1: Welcome back, Hector and Ron, to the studio Mm -hmm. with us. We had you, we had both of you at various beginning episodes for the semester and throughout. Hector, at least throughout. Oh, both of you as co-hosts as well. So we're just back again for whatever round that makes this.
0: Happy to be here.
3: (laughs) Uh, Yes, happy to
4: be here. Are you sure? Are you sure you're happy to be here? Okay. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. So we're just taking a moment after the end of last semester and after kind of coming back the beginning of the semester to put a a bow on uh, our reflections on evil resistance and judgment from last semester. Um, So we're just gonna go around and share some of our highlights from specific episodes or moments uh, from the past semester. So Mm -hmm. maybe we'll start with co-host Theron here because okay. <laughs> you're sitting across from me and making gestures <laughs> that you don't want to go <laughs> so first it, that uh, I'm
2: ignoring. Right. <laughs> um, so I think my favorite episode was uh, Julia's episode on uh, slow fashion and that form of resistance. I think like I learned a lot about it just because I don't necessarily think about those kind of things on a regular basis you kind of just wake up and put the clothes on that you have Mm -hmm. bought that you thought were cool I don't know you don't really think about the environmental impact of say throwing away clothes or where or where or how they made the clothes whether it be like a factory or handmade or whatever or the materials that they used or how those materials came to be or um, and dyes and all that kind of stuff and I, I Try to go for usually the cheaper um, clothes just because I am a student on a budget <laughs> mm-hmm. So usually that ends up being lower quality stuff, which also is it's probably cheaper because it was made cheaply and by workers that probably weren't paid a lot to yeah. to uh, do that and then yeah so they so cheaply made clothes don't last as long, so that means you're throwing them away probably a lot quicker than you would um something that you would pay a little bit more money for and actually um would last longer. It would be better quality, so it gave me a lot to think about, yeah, something that is like seemingly mundane is can actually make quite a big difference yeah and yeah it's it's cool, I think
1: I thought it was a very it was a very timely episode with all the climate issues discussions mm-hmm. kind of ramping up recently. I think what I appreciated about that episode in particular was that it was so tied to like a concrete example. So yeah. it made what living out resistance might actually look like much mm-hmm. more tangible.
2: Yeah. It's like something every single person has to deal with. Like it's the most basic thing that you do every day yeah. and yeah, it makes a quite a big difference.
1: She also had a moment, I think, in that episode where she kind of parsed out different reasons. Like you said, like you make your clothing choices because your kind of primary uh, need is being a student on a budget. So Mm -hmm. like that's kind of dictates what choices you make. And Mm -hmm. I think in that episode, she parsed through different uh, concerns of those kinds, like things that could keep you from living like the ideal, like just, you know get yeah. stuff that makes zero waste and all these things. Like there are other concerns that come into play that complicate just making like a straightforward ethical decision in mm-hmm. that may yeah, way. Yeah. She
2: wasn't naive to the fact that not everyone can go out and get like handmade sheep's wool, organic, whatever, yeah. like <laughs> that costs 500 bucks to make or whatever yeah. there, but there is, I think there's a way to kind of strike a balance between something cheap and factory made or in something, that's 100% organic or whatever.
0: Have you guys heard that saying the clothes make the man?
2: Mhm.
0: When well, I I've always disagreed with that. <laughs> <laughs> that. The man, man makes, makes clothes. the clothes. <laughs> there you, go. Yeah, you if you're rocking it, you can make it look good, it doesn't matter what it is. So you don't have to be cowed by the fashion industry and wearing certain things.
3: True.
1: You but know. you could also be a man who makes his clothes. Yes. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Yes.
0: That would go against all my uh um natural abilities but uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm pretty ham-handed when it comes to sewing
4: (laughs) (laughs) i like the fact that it um really um expanded our idea of what resistance is um i think that up until that episode we had just talked about resistance in terms of kind of like political, violent resistance. And there was a bit of a, of a conversation between those who thought that resistance could be uh, kind of a peaceful endeavor and those who needed who thought it needed to be violent. But she kind of opened that box and got us out of there through through the idea of slow fashion as something that could embody the ways in which in the world now and, and the timeliness of it and the fact that it coincided with all the Greta movement movement um, allow a lot of people to, to be engaged with it. I, I saw a lot of back and forth on Twitter about that, uh, within people that didn't know about really ICS or philosophy before. So they, that was a good way of engaging an audience beyond our usual.
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. What was your, now that you're, we've got you on the microphone, I'm going to go to you, <laughs> what was your favorite or maybe a highlight or two for you from the past semester?
4: Well, I have several um, highlights, but um, I think just kind of structurally, the problem is not the problem uh, um, was my, my favorite because it was the first time we were able to just gather the students who were around and just have a conversation and start recording it. I know it was a bit <laughs> less structured than the, less of the, the rest of the episodes we had, but for the most part, it was a, a good... Um, Look into the conversations we have every day here at ICS. So um, four of us talking about something that is philosophical, but is not only philosophical but an existential problem for us as well. So I I enjoy being part of it, and then I enjoy listen listening to the conversation, not listening to me as much, (laughs) but listening to the rest of the people that were there.
1: I enjoyed listening to you. So (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Get over it. I enjoyed that episode too, like the doing of it and then thinking back on it now because that was the f- first episode we did for the semester. So we kind of got a clearer idea of things as we were going through the semester, which is kind of just the way these things work. But um, having that first episode be a, these are the things that we're going to be talking about and none of us had prepared. It was kind of just, it. I think it did just end up being a like, we are all in the office today. Let's go in the, in the studio and record something. So it was just things that we could think of off the top of our head as like issues that might come up or like questions that we had and where we thought these things might lead. So looking back now, it's Yeah, it's interesting to look back on it and see where we've ended up after all.
4: (laughs) Especially like uh, hearing Grace's take on that. So our our colleague Grace, who is finishing her her MA uh, now, but she's not in town anymore. That was the last chance we had to um, to have her speak to us, and, and we just kind of put her on the spot and ask her to talk about that, which is not really her topic of um, of, of interest in philosophy. But she was really amazing. Uh, the connection between like Aquinas and resistance that she that she drew was was really enlightening for me, um, as I think through resistance all the time. So I mm-hmm. haven't seen that before. So it was great to hear her.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, some highlights for me were uh, so my former MA student who just completed his PhD at the University of Toronto, Andrew Tebbit. Um, his episode called Recognizing Forgiveness,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, reflecting, I guess, on his work on, um, he worked on Hannah Arendt with me, but uh, at, uh, at U of T, he did a PhD on Hegel and forgiveness. I remember liking that one. Our colleague from Trinity University, Aaron Repman, did, uh, gave us a lesson in hilarity. So I felt a little privileged to, um, for the last episode of the semester, we invited Pastor Tira Van Keeken, who's a pastor of the church I go to, First Christian Reformed Church in Toronto, just to get her take on, uh, from a more theological than uh, philosophical angle on the themes of uh, evil resistance and judgment, but it would also give us the opportunity to ask her about how she understands the church's role in issues of facing evil and resisting evil and judging evil and she has a lot of interesting insights in that even f- uh, her experience on um not everybody probably knows but the christian Reformed churches only relatively recently like in the last 10-20 years um allowed women to become pastors before those offices were withheld from them so to ask her about if she's faced any challenges in that way i have to apologize to hector because uh hector was supposed to do that interview with danielle but uh we were stricken with uh, conjunctivitis over the holidays. And <laughs> that day was Hector's turn, so I had to step in. But I was uh, so I feel a little lucky actually that I got to step in, and that was I really enjoyed doing that interview. Um,
4: you were a great understudy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'll take that endorsement.
1: Yeah, I I also was there interviewing her with you, and I really appreciated being able to talk to her because we could get at more of those kind of pastoral questions around these things. Because I think what I liked about um, kind of the overall structure, I guess, of the semester in asking people to come at the themes from all these different angles was was the fact that it wasn't always clear where these things tied in and you kind of had to work through it and then get there. Um, So it's just, to me, to provide an example of how these things are woven into all these different aspects of life. Seeing that worked out over the course of the semester was interesting. Uh, But then also seeing her, uh, or talking to her, to Tira, and getting her very practical insight into how you care for people who are all variously trying to work through these things in their very particular instances in their own lives and in like the bigger cosmic like what do we do with our lives and how what is going on in the world kind of sense um and navigating those different levels on an individual basis and as a community I thought was really I really appreciated how she talked about those things
4: Building up on on that that way in which the semester opened opened us up to different ways of looking into this topic, um, I I really enjoyed either when I was co-hosting or or listening to the episodes, finding that that aha moment that that moment where the interviewee realized that the connection between the theme and their own work was really evident that they had, they already knew it. It was kind of a guided reflection that we did throughout the episode. So, mm-hmm. um, many of those moments, I, 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 have kind of very vivid. One of them was, um, listening to, uh, Pastor Tierra's episode, but also going back, um, when uh, Eric Farr had something like that with us, um, when he was talking about his work with youth and, um, and, somehow apologizing for not fitting within the topic and then within that apology realizing that mm-hmm. it was th- at the core of his work, um yeah. what judgment and resistance meant for youth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um that was really that was really special and it's it's nice to get to witness that um as a community here at DCS. yes mm-hmm.
2: That's
3: true.
2: Yeah. I think pretty much with any almost anything that you're studying, eventually you're gonna have something that ties into justice because it's Mm -hmm. basically what inspires you to to study it like asking why does this matter how does it affect people in real life and like that's that's really at the heart of of why we we study the things that we do I think
1: yeah it's hard to pick highlights for me it's your turn (laughs) yeah no it's my turn I appreciate that I have had the chance to mention other highlights already by making you all go first uh hosting privilege here Mm -hmm. but I think there are a number of different things that I appreciated about this semester, and then there's a particular particular episode, I guess, that I'll highlight. I, I think I realized this semester how much I enjoy talking to um, especially fellow students, talking to fellow students um, about what they care about, like about what they're working on, but then finding out that they're working on so many things. <laughs> so it's not just what I know that they're working on in this one particular instance, it's like they have all these other concerns that come out in like with Julia's episode. And, you know, this is just a thing that she does in her life basically, but all it's all woven in, in also what she's interested in, in her research. Um, uh, and then listen, like hearing Andrew talk about his research as well, uh, finding resonances, I think finding resonances be- between people who are at a similar stage in their education uh, is always an encouraging thing to do. Um, so that was a more generic kind of highlight for me. I actually also really appreciated uh, Gideon's episodes. I realize now um, because they they got out a lot of the things that we kind of went into more in more detail later on in the semester, um, but they were right there at the beginning too. I think it might have been the episodes right after yours. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they were just. I mean they're very difficult episodes, but mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just appreciative of the fact that he was like willing to share those things basically um was what I came away with um but my my highlight that I'm going to commit to now, I guess my episode highlight um was our episode with Aaron Rettman just because we all love Aaron here uh, <laughs> so just and he loves the podcast so It was a fun thing to get him on the other side of things, and he enjoyed it, and his enjoyment was infectious, so (laughs) his hilarity as the theme of his episode was an appropriate thing to me. Um, And I didn't know anything about uh, the Augustine piece that he brought in and talked to us about, so I thought that was a really fascinating textual tidbit to bring in and then to have it be so have the kind of principle of it be so fundamental to his whole approach to teaching and Aaron's whole approach to teaching. I thought that was really good to bring out and then talking about education as a way of resisting certain impulses. I thought that was a very key theme that came up in a number of different episodes, but especially there. So that was my highlight.
4: Any other structural thing or part of the process that, that, that any of you enjoy when you're doing these? uh, I, I've mentioned some already but I I like I like the fact that this is managed to remain at a very kind of intimate conversation that we mm-hmm. uh that we bring to to our community of support and to those who are interested in hearing about our work or coming to ICS one day. Uh, somehow we we haven't lost kind of the personal element of it. And every time we have those conversations, um in the context of the podcast, we realize that because people care so much about what what they do um is always deeply personal and is also personal for us mm-hmm. uh, and that was i think one of the learnings of this semester as well um I, I enjoy that and enjoy seeing how people who are listeners from across the globe also interacted with with the episodes so um it gives me a lot of hope
0: i think if you're a philosopher you can't just turn it off when no. you're not yeah you the, care yeah.
1: you just mm-hmm. always care <laughs>
4: It's an ICS thing. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I I am not sure it happens everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. where people study philosophy. I, I I think that is very particular of the people that that ICS mm-hmm. attracts and that are around here. But uh, I could
0: f- philosophize off the back of a cereal box. <laughs> <laughs> we have seen you do that. <laughs> so there's text in front of me. It'll be like, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I think that's why my daughter calls me extra probably. <laughs> Actually, it leads to great comedy too.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Philosophy and comedy aren't that far apart. I don't no, think. that's true. No. Uh, most
0: mm-hmm. comedy, actually, this is off topic, but <clears> it comes from a place of really deep intelligence and wisdom and insight. And the best stand up mm-hmm. are those cats are smart. Like, they're not, you know, just going, hey, you know, they're like, they've thought about stuff. Yeah. Mike Birbiglia's latest. Uh, um, special on Netflix is about reflecting on being a new parent. It's really good. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot that one came out. Yeah, it's good. He's great. Yeah, he's great. He's a storyteller yes. too.
1: He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and he's had you know he, well, th- comedy is very close to pain, right? And mm-hmm. it's about um, working through pain, and and making and laughing at it.
4: Um, the best comedy anyway, I find, but, uh, I still remember the first time I was able to understand humor in English. That mm-hmm. was the moment <laughs> when I felt really accomplished and, <laughs> uh, and it allowed me to kind of regain my soul mm-hmm. in a different language in a way that I didn't have it before. It was... Wow! Yeah, the same yeah. thing.
1: When I was learning French, I r- distinctly remember the first time I understood a joke, and I felt like I had understood the language at that point, mm. and it fe- it felt more like your own language. Yeah.
0: And no other uh, form of speech or trope or l- or language game could give you that sense of I'm I'm a native now because I no. can because comedy can tell like jokes. as
1: much as it is about like expressing pain or whatever like yeah. you tell jokes in the context of a community in order to bring people together yeah. so if you're right. not out, if you're outside of that it's linguistically, completely alienate you're, yeah, you're, you're alien yeah. you're not, you're
0: a stranger even if you understood every word kind yeah. of
4: yeah mm-hmm. there is a way of bringing this back to the topic is <laughs> uh in in colombia there was um very likely the most important um kind of figure of resistance against the, the war and the systemic oppression has been a, a comedian. Jaime Garzon, is his name, he was, he was murdered because of his comedy wow. in the 90s. Um, so it was, he, he decided that he wanted to take kind of the experience of uh, suffering of Colombians kind of on like national TV and make it, like make he used to make like little um, sketches connected by observations, and that was, my childhood was in the context of Jaime Garçon's comedy, and, and he is really one of the figures that, that is kind of connecting that the pain with, with humor, and somehow um, it, was, it was resistance, but it was also uh, something that pointed towards like, the hope of things being able to, to change. Yeah. It's
0: almost like part of working through the working through process, so yeah. the therapeutic process of working through pain and trauma, mm-hmm. and trying to get to another side or get th- get get on the other side of it mm-hmm. without avoiding it or repressing it. Um, but but com- the best comedy is a way of staring it down or something.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- you take the power away from it by right. It's very interesting. It's very. Comedy polite. as resistance. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we're just
0: back to hilarity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, so that was that was the semester. So now we're thinking about the next semester and well, like you like Ron mentioned, uh, this whole past semester had been kind of based on Hannah Arendt, the thought of Hannah Arendt and we have a course coming up in I think it starts the end of April. April At a distance? 20,
2: yeah, April 27 to June 5.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so there's the first four weeks is by distance. So this is a new thing that ICS is trying in our um, strategic partnership activities with the King's University in Edmonton. Um, when I became president, I stopped teaching for about a year and a half just to figure out that part of the job. And um, because ICS is such a small faculty to have, you know, I'm also faculty and to lose my teaching completely means that the – the, the number of courses we can offer and make available to students that suffered. So we were trying to think creatively about ways to reintroduce my teaching at least one course a year in a way that wouldn't sort of spread out over a 13-week semester. So we came up with the idea to do a, a hybrid course that has a distance portion and then in a one-week intensive portion. And... The idea evolved so that it would be um, it would work in uh, conjunction with our undergraduate workshop that we've been doing for three years, fourth year coming up. Yeah, this will be the fourth. Yeah. And basically, you know, because I've historically taught a course on Hannah Arendt here, and uh, for various other reasons in terms of the students who are coming here and what they were interested in studying, we thought it would be a good year to uh, teach my Hannah Arendt course in this form. I've never taught it in this format before with the the sort of distance portion online classroom, and then gathering a group of students from Edmonton and here at ICS in Toronto, here in Toronto, um, for um, the undergraduate workshop as part of the course hours, and then a one-week intensive five days of three-hour seminars and uh, to kind of cap it and um, so so the course is going to be on Hannah Arendt and mainly looking at uh, her book Eichmann in Jerusalem and um, her collection of essays called Responsibility and Judgment. Um, yeah, no, so I'm really excited about that. I love teaching that course when I taught it in the regular ICS 13-week seminar format every year I've taught it, I've had one or two students end up doing their master's theses on Hannah Arendt. I think mm-hmm. um, she really captures something about her work, captures the imagination of people today in particular. I think it always has. I mean, yeah. she's just a very, very relevant voice with a lot of relevant things to say. It's not that there's nothing to disagree with in what she says or that she's not a controversial figure in some ways, but she has this knack of getting at the r- the root of problems and the heart of things that I think people find really f- refreshing and kind of direct and challenging and um so yeah i'm really looking forward to doing that so i'm co-teaching that with jeffrey dudiac from king's university it's been approved for credit at king's university for upper level undergraduates so uh, other undergraduate students could probably also take the course if they were interested in doing more than just the undergraduate workshop but staying for the entire course and then appeal for transfer credit in their programs via King's University, getting credit from King's University, like mm-hmm. register through King's rather than through ICS. Thanks. I think that's why I'm attracted to her work because in the day, even though she's, she tries to have a, have a really direct look at the darkest evil of our times, she's looking for in a way that is not just dire or hopeless. She's looking for... Um, sparks uh, of of hope or of possibility for resistance Um, power in the most unlikeliest places Um, how to keep your power and not give it up to these systems of oppression which i think is a huge question
1: so if you're an undergraduate student or a graduate student and are intrigued by these things uh you could uh, listen to ron's earlier episode task number one task number two Register for the course happening starting in April.
0: Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, in the middle between the distance and the intensive portion, we have the undergraduate workshop. Now, students enrolled in this course have to attend the undergraduate workshop, but students can also share papers at the undergraduate workshop who aren't taking the course. Mm-hmm. So we're also going uh, to be um, quite soon putting out um, promotion promotional material for the undergraduate workshop. So undergraduate students, if they have... Uh, papers they've written for philosophy or theology courses on the theme, any of the, anything relating to evil, resistance, and judgment, can submit their papers um, and attend um, the uh, the workshop as uh, by, uh, as a standalone thing, which I think would be a worthwhile thing to do too. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird idea where we're tra- where we're we're incorporating the workshop into a course,
4: but you can also participate in the workshop and not take the course. And perhaps something about the the undergrad workshop is a is a great opportunity for for your work as an undergrad student to be uh, to be considered seriously by a faculty member or a PhD student here at ICS, and um, and a way to have a, um, a serious conversation about what you care about. So we've talked about that today before. Um, we we all care deeply about these topics, and uh, we're happy to include you in, conver- in the conversation through. The um, through the Undergrad Workshop. So please submit your papers. Uh, we'll uh, very soon give more detailed information about that.
1: Yep, yeah, so that's a huge thing to look forward to at ICS here. And that will continue our reflections on evil resistance and judgment. The podcast will continue this semester. We're going to be talking about some different things, new topics, mm-hmm. mostly guided by ongoing, like current courses, yeah happening at ICS right now so we're gonna hope to have some senior members on some more senior members and give them a chance to talk about some themes that are close to their heart so we will get into that very soon Mm -hmm. so stay tuned and thank you guys for coming back into the studio with us and I'm sure you'll be around again we'll hear from you again you know
4: where (laughs) I live (laughs) thank you for having us yeah thank you
1: That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us for a recap. We'll be back next week with another episode, and we hope you'll join us then too. If you'd like to know more about the Center for Philosophy, Religion, and Social Ethics, and the Institute for Christian Studies, you can visit us at icscanada.edu. If anything from this week's show piqued your interest, you can also email us at criticalfaith icscanada.edu. You can also find us on Twitter. You can follow me as at you can follow Hector as at acerof underscore Hector. You can follow Ron as at Kuiper's Ronald. And you can follow ICS as at INSCHR.
2: And from the heart of ICS, thank you all for listening. This has been Critical Faith. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a review. The podcast is now also on Spotify, so you can find us there too. Following and reviewing the podcast helps people find us and keeps us on their radar. And most importantly, take your friends.